God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to LifeQuest Community Church. As you guys are making your way back to your seats, um, I just want to welcome you and just let you know that we're so excited to see you here worshiping with us this morning. At LifeQuest, we want to help you discover God's love and his purpose for your life. We value faith, family, friends, fun, and freedom, and we celebrate communion each week. If you're here as a first-time guest, use the QR code and the welcome brochure and fill out our guest connection card. Um, for tithes and offerings, you can put them in the back of the box or you can tithe online. Um, for announcements, we have Aslan's Explorers. That's going to be this Wednesday. Um, we <laughs> Was that a cheer? My um, yeah, for Aslan's Explorers. Um, we also have loads of love. Um, thank you for showing up and helping um, if you did. And if you have free time and you can go and support um, Crosspoint and help pass out the loaves of bread on Saturday morning, um, we'd love to have you if you want to volunteer. So connect with Pastor Darlene um, if you have availability on Saturday mornings. Other than that, um, we, we have, I can't remember what it's called. There's a adult Bible study on Wednesday night that is going to be, it's called Grow. There we go. It's going to be at the same time as Aslan's Explorers. So there's stuff for the whole family if you guys um, have availability on Wednesday night. And that's all we have for announcements. Um, if you guys would be willing, um, I'm going to invite you guys to stand and I'm going to read a passage from Psalm 100. It says, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him and sing songs of joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He has made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. This morning in the car, uh, my, I think it was my brother, he asked the question, why do we go to church? And my mom answered him, and she started listing off, like, all of these reasons why we go to church. And she was like, we go to church to build up each other. We go to church to serve. We go to church to honor God and to love him. And there was just, like, all of these things of um, what we do when we go to church. Um, and I just want to remind you guys this morning that uh, we are here to praise God, and we're here to build each other up. 
Um, that's why we come to church. So build each other up this morning and praise God and serve each other. And that's all we have to do this morning. Um, so I'm just going to open us up in prayer and let's worship. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your presence and we're so thankful that you're here with us, that you are our Father, that you are the Lion and the Lamb. And God, we just want to praise you this morning and we're just so thankful for your grace and for your mercy. And we just pray that um, you allow us access to your presence this morning. In your heavenly name, amen.
fails and we just pray that that you would move in miraculous ways and that we would experience your love this morning
this morning, and we just ask that you would you would teach us something new today and help us to have the hearts to receive it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would come and bless these symbols of grace, these broken pieces of bread and these cups of juice, that you would come and anoint us as we come to the table and we invite you to again remind us of your death and your resurrection and your soon return. Father, encourage us with these words that you're going to return. And so, Lord, as we come to your table today, we need renewal. We need healing. We need restoration. We need your grace. And so we ask your blessing over this time. We pray that in these moments before we come to the table that we would examine our hearts and ask for forgiveness, that you would make us right with you. Father, we ask for your blessing on our tithes and our offerings as we bring them as acts of worship, whether we've put them in the plate or we've given them digitally or we've served in, in whatever capacity. Father, we want to worship you with our tithes and our offerings. Father, we ask your blessing over us and over this time together as a church family. In Jesus' name, amen. Tables are open.
All right, kids, you are dismissed to go down to Kids Quest. Have a blast. Good morning. Excited to be with you this morning, excited to jump into God's Word as uh, we are continuing in our series of Whole and Holy. 
that God wants us to walk in integrity. He wants us to walk whole and complete. He wants us to walk together in unity as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, uh, and as, as we've been in this journey of, of looking at what does it mean to be whole and holy, we've been talking about our gospel identity. And over the last couple of weeks, we talked about what the gospel is and how the gospel leads us to change and how the gospel helps us to navigate life's up and downs. And this morning, I want to talk about something that happens to you every single day that you do it whether you're aware that you do it. Um, and I want to talk about our gospel identity and self-talk. So our gospel identity is, is that you are hidden in Christ and Christ is revealed in you. That as, as believers, at the moment that we put our trust in Jesus, we are, we are covered. We are, we are put in a place where Jesus stands as a representative to before us, before God. And he intercedes for us, and we are hidden in Christ. His righteousness becomes our righteousness. His, his justification becomes ours. And we are hidden in Christ. But then we, as we are out in the world, we reveal Christ to our coworkers and to our neighbors and to the, the people that we encounter. That is who you are. Not what your job is, not what your role is in your family. Your gospel identity is who you are in Christ. And so when we think about this idea of the importance of self-talk and your gospel identity, is, is I want to ask a question. When you think about your personal internal life, how do you speak to yourself? How do you talk to yourself? How do you preach to yourself? Because uh, there's a really, really powerful quote by, by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. It says, he said this, um, Jake, I got a slide for that. I don't know if you can read, I guess you can read it. Have you realized that, the, that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. I want to kind of unpack that this morning because so much of our lack of joy or our lack of peace in life is because we are listening to all of the other voices that are clamoring for our attention, but we aren't speaking truth to our own hearts. And we let the other voices win. And, and again, uh, to be clear, I'm not talking about uh, the, what the world's version of self-talk, which is like positive affirmations. Like in the, in the 80s on Saturday Night Live, there was a character named Stuart Smalley. And Stuart Smalley would say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me, right? In the opening scene of What About Bob?, Bob Wiley is walking down the street and he's saying to himself, I feel good, I feel wonderful, I feel great, I feel good, I feel wonderful, I feel great. It's not the video clip because you can see the guy who's coming behind the guy in the suit and tie who has Tourette's 
and is, is swearing and cursing as he crosses in front of poor Bob Wiley. As Bob's like, I feel good. I feel wonderful. I feel great. Right? I'm not talking about that kind of self-talk. That's actually an anti-gospel. That, that I feel good. That I am great. That I am wonderful. Takes the, the, the identity and the responsibility for my life out of Jesus' hands and puts it on me because I'm smart enough and I'm good enough and doggone it, people like me. When my identity is I am hidden in Jesus and he is revealed through me. And so I want to look at a, a deeper truth, a really a beauty Because there's this beautiful story that we need to remind ourselves of on a regular basis. That that the most important sermon that you hear every week is not the one that you hear on Sunday mornings from me. It's the one that you preach to your own heart every single day. What are you preaching to your heart? What are you speaking to yourself? And so we're going to unpack this this powerful and dangerous tool of self-talk because we can self-talk ourselves into all kinds of problems. Or we can self-talk ourselves when we remind ourselves who we are in Christ into freedom and life and peace. And so what is that going to look like? We're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about the nature of self-talk. We're going to talk about the need for self-talk, and we're going to talk about a new kind of self-talk as we, as we go through this morning. So let's start with the nature of self-talk, because this is something that we are constantly doing. It's constantly happening, whether you are aware of it or not. There is a constant inner dialogue going on. It's happening to you right now. You can be in a room full of people talking and you are having your own conversation right there between your own two ears. And no lips are moving. As you're thinking about, what are they thinking about me? And what are they saying about me? And, and, and you know, we, we have this thing that's going on right inside your brain. It's happening right now while you're listening to me. Did I leave the oven on? Did we turn off the lights? Is the sump pump working? Right? All of those things that are happening right now. And, and you know, sometimes you're, you're hearing my words right now, but the louder conversation is what's happening in your head as you're thinking about what do I need to do this afternoon? What do I need to do tomorrow? Um, we're always, always talking to ourselves. And what's crazy about the human brain, it's incredible, is that you're doing five things all at the same time, or we talk about how people multitask and that, multi, you know, some, some people say they're a great multitasker, um, and, and some people can do lots and lots of things, but true multitasking is nearly impossible because you're constantly being caught and, and pulled. But there are five things that, you're, that happen to us all at the same time when you're in a, a situation. The first thing is we observe. We, we see something happen, like we observe it, and then after we observe it, we interpret it. And after we interpret it, we narrate it. And then after we narrate it, we feel it. 
And then after we feel it, we act. So I'm gonna, let's unpack that. Because all of those five things literally happen in an instant. Here's a situation. You walked into church this morning, and you said hi to someone, but they didn't say hi back. And so you observe that, right? I observed this. I walked into church. I said hi to Matt. Matt didn't say hi back. Okay, it happened. But immediately I begin to interpret the encounter, right? I think Matt's upset. I interpret it. He didn't say hi to me because he's upset about something. And then after I make that observation, I start to narrate. My brain, you can't help it. You start to create a story. And so I make up the story about the last time that I talked with Matt, and I'm like, hmm, Maybe, they didn't, maybe I said something that offended Matt or, or Matt's mad at me because I didn't call the police fast enough uh, for Jessica's car when he told me that the sheriff's department was knocking on her window as it's parked on the side of the road, and, uh, which happened um, two weeks ago. And, and so now I'm making up a story about why I think Matt is upset and why he's upset with me, right? And then, then so I, I've... I've observed it, I've interpreted it, I've told the story about it to myself, I've narrated it, and now I feel. And now I'm feeling anxious because I don't want to affect my relationship with Matt, or maybe I get angry. How dare Matt not say hello to me, right? Matt. And, and, and then, after I feel it, obviously none of this happened this morning. Um, honestly, I haven't even said hi to Matt yet this morning. Hi, Matt. but then i act right i i treat matt differently or i allow that frustration and that anxiety to then come out on my kids in the car ride home or the way that i treat my wife um and and you know i i act because uh it's sometimes it's not even towards the person that I've narrated the story about, right? It now comes out on other people um, or the next person that I see at church or my family. That is self-talk. And what's, what's incredible about it is that number one and number five are external. My observation and my action are external things that happen, right? I see something from the outside and now I'm acting on it. But all of the stuff in the middle, three, two, and four, are inside. They are inside of me. My interpretation, my narration, and my feeling are all right here in this little gray blob between my ears. And it's always happening all the time. That's the nature of self-talk that's going on. So... Let's talk about the need for self-talk. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 103, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And depending on on what version of the Bible uh, you have, I have the New Living Translation, which is my favorite, but I want to refer to the the New King James um, or the King James Version this morning specifically. In the New Living Translation, verse 1 says this, Let all that I am... Praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget 
the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord gives justice, righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. In, in the, the um, New King James and the, and the King James Version, David says this. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. David has written this psalm, and, and he's written it as a, uh, a perfect example of biblical self-talk. David is reminding himself, I, soul, me, bless the Lord with everything that I have. And, and it, he, he says it twice. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I will bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, that I may never forget his blessings for me. And then he goes in. Look at what he does. He, he says, look, I, I got to bless the Lord with my soul. And my soul is our, your mind and your will and your emotions. I, I'm telling myself, I'm reminding myself, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then he lists off those things, those beautiful things that he does for me. He forgives my sins. Man, where would we be without that? It's literally, that's it. That's the game changer. He forgives my sins. And that would be enough. But it's not just he forgives my sins. He forgives my sins and then he heals me. God, thank you for your healing touch. Right? He heals me. He redeems me from, the de- from death in the pit. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. He renews my youth and strength. David needed to remind himself. He was constantly, if you're familiar with David's story at all, David was constantly in, in some sense of struggle. When he was a kid, he was basically the forgotten red-headed kid that was just out sent to the field. You get to go watch the sheep. Everybody else, you get to go do cool stuff. David, sheep, go out. I mean, for me, I'm like, I get to go camping all the time. Sign me up, right? But it's not just he gets to go camping. He's got to protect these dumb sheep that don't want to stay in the sheepfold. And on top of that, i got to deal with these dumb sheep. i got to protect them from wolves and bears and lions. And I'm just a kid, right? And then he goes from there to being pulled into this conflict where he's got to fight this guy who's nine feet tall. And, and he, it wasn't in his strength because David learned that if you're pretty good at killing wolves and lions and bears, Philistine giants aren't really any different. But he goes from there to then being this person brought into the, the, the literally the palace of the kingdom and he becomes a, a servant for the king. And, and you think that would be awesome, right? He went from stuck out in the woods to being part of the, the, the royal bodyguard for the king until the king starts getting jealous. 
And, and now all of a sudden, he's not dodging wolves and lions and bears. He's dodging spears and arrows being thrown at him by the king. And he's running from his, for his life for, for a, a long time. Because God promised that David would be king, but it didn't happen right then and there when Samuel anointed him as a young kid. He had to go for year, almost decades before Saul finally died on the run. David needed to remind himself of God's blessing as he's hiding in a cave, fearing for his life. Even after David becomes king, he's constantly in battle with Philistines and Amalekites and all of these other things. And then not only that, now his own kids revolt against him and he's running for his life from his own son. David had to understand what self-talk is all about. And so in this, this beautiful psalm, Psalm 103, we get this glimpse of how David talks to himself. There's a need for self-talk. You need to remind yourself of the truth of the gospel, of who you are. I am hidden in Christ, and Christ says revealed in me. I need to remind myself of that every single day. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. You know, here's the thing that, that I think um, we struggle with. Because we, we need to talk to ourselves more than we listen to ourselves or to the other voices. That we need to, we need to speak to our own hearts. And, and here's the thing that's probably one of the most obvious things that you'll hear today. You are always with you right? You are always with you. You can't escape you. There are, there are, there are many days that I would love to get away from myself. And, and so there are times when my brain, and I'm going to give you an insight into Pastor Rob's brain, because when I think about what other people's brains look like, this is what I think a normal person's brain looks like. Now, I'm not insulting you by, by saying that you're Homer Simpson, I'm just saying that in my mind, most people are able at the end of the day to lay their head down and they just get to go to sleep. This is my brain. Almost every day. Right? Did we turn the projector off? Uh, <laughs> woo! New idea. Like in my brain, it actually sounds like Homer when that happens. Woo! New idea. Uh, Right? When we think about all the, just constantly, all of the time, you are always with you. And, and I'll tell you, you can make that slide go away. Um, did you get them all? <laughs> it's part of the reason why I love going to the woods. When, when Terry and I were last August, um, was it August? That we were in the woods. We were in the woods for a week. And like, it surprised me. We were sitting at the campfire at our lean-to, and Terry turned to me, and she said, what are you thinking? And I genuinely was thinking nothing. It was awesome, right, to not have my brain doing that. Um, if you are always with you, your self-talk is so important. 
how you talk to yourself. And so there is a, it's just an important need for us to have good self-talk. To, to how, do I, how do I walk this out? How do we do it? And I want to talk about a new kind of self-talk. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. This is, again, another one of David's parts of his story. And, and so David and his men are, are actually working for the Philistines, right? This is before he becomes king. And David and his mighty men are actually working as like special forces for the Philistine army. And while they're out fighting for the Philistines, something horrible happens. Look at what it says, uh, starting in verse 6. That David, uh, three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and the Ziklag where they lived and had crushed Ziklag, the town where they lived with their families, with their wives, with their kids, and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. So while he's out fighting with his men, raiders come in and kidnap all of their wives, all of their children, and take them away into slavery. Next verse. And when David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. Next verse. David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. His wives are gone. And now David was in great danger because all of his men were very bitter, as you would be, about losing their sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. That last sentence is what I want to focus on. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself. He encouraged himself. He took courage, not in himself, but in who? The Lord his God. He had this practice of self-talk down. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Look, literally, and David's kids and David's wife are also captured. This is what gospel-centered self-talk looks like. David knew who he was in God and probably was humming to himself the song to Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Lord, you forgive my sins. Lord, you heal me. Lord, you redeem me from, the death, from death in the pit. You crown me with love and tender mercies. You fill my life with good things. You renew my youth and strength. He encouraged himself in, in a moment of darkness. And, and literally, I can't imagine anything more desperate then my wife and my children have been taken off into slavery and my closest friends, my brothers in arms, want to stone me to death. And he strengthened himself in the Lord. Self-talk for us as Christians, as believers in Jesus, is not, I'm smart enough, 
I'm good enough and doggone it, people like me. It's not, I feel good, I feel wonderful, I feel great. It's not, uh, you know, you've got this, work hard, do your best. Gospel self-talk is reminding myself of who I am in Christ in every situation. When I've had a terrible, awful, no good day where nothing went right, who am I in Christ? Uh, a friend of mine shared this. Uh, he, he calls them the four G's, the, the characteristics of who God is. And uh, I love this um, because it's not I feel great, I feel glorious, I feel good, I am gracious, but God is great. It almost feels like that prayer that we used to pray as kids, right? God is great, God is good, let us thank him for his, our food. Um, well, You've got to rhyme with good. I'm just kidding. And, and, and uh, my friend uh, Dave, uh, he, he, in every situation that he's in, right, he's about to walk into a job interview, and he's anxious about, is the job interview going to go well? He's like, okay, I just got to remind myself of the four Gs. God is great. God has this. God is glorious. God is good. God is gracious. As I'm, as I'm walking into this difficult situation, as I'm navigating this, what does that mean, God is great? What it means is that God is in control. No matter what situation that you're in, you may feel like your life is out of control, but God is in control. God, you are great. God is glorious. That God is, is beautiful and strong and worthy and I have nothing to be afraid of. God, you are glorious in this situation in my life. That God is good. I have everything that I need in you. You have given me everything that I need to accomplish this task, to navigate this situation, to deal with this conflict or this relationship. God, you are good. And you have given me everything that I need, more than I deserve. And God is gracious. I don't have anything to prove. I don't have to, to be anything for him. He is gracious to me. He looks at me and he loves me. No matter how I perform, he's gracious. And so I want you to, to rehearse these four G's in your mind when you're in a difficult situation. Let's say them together. God is great. God is glorious. God is good. God is gracious. Tomorrow when I walk into that situation at school or at work uh, or, or with a, a family member because there's, there's tension, God, you are great. God, you're in control of this situation. God, you are glorious. You are beautiful and strong and worthy and I've got nothing to fear. God, you are good. I have everything that I need. God, you are gracious. I have nothing to prove because I am hidden in Christ. Now, I want to unpack that a little bit. Just because we don't have anything to prove 
doesn't mean that we don't also have a lot to do. We still have a responsibility, or we can't just trust, well, God's gracious, it's going to be okay. I don't have to practice, or I don't have to do my homework, or I don't have to put in my effort. We still have a part to play. And when we walk in the wholeness of our gospel identity, when we work and serve and love from this place of health, knowing our gospel identity, we remind our hearts that God is great. Say it with me. God is great. God is glorious. God is good. God is gracious. Then you will find the ability to live well, to lead well at home or at work or at church because you're doing things for the right reasons from a healthy heart. Let me remind you again, your gospel identity, you are hidden in Christ and Christ is revealed in you. That's where this whole thing of walking in wholeness and holiness starts knowing who you are in Christ. So this week, be kind to yourself. Preach to yourself. God is great. God is glorious. God is good. God is gracious. We're going to close. Worship team, I want to invite you back up to the stage. We're going to close with the song 10,000 Reasons. And... um, Next week, we start a new section of walking in our, our, our wholeness as people and as leaders. We're going to talk about emotional maturity and why it matters. But uh, if you would join me by standing, we're going to close uh, blessing the Lord, O oh, our soul, like David.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and smile upon you. May he be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace because God is good and he is great and he is glorious and gracious. Walk in that this week. Tell that to yourself. It'll be the greatest sermon you preach to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings. It is an egg Sunday. Thank you, Bruce.